0: you are listening to the hybrid hospitality podcast if you're interested in the trends that are transforming hospitality and want to explore what the future of the industry might look like then you're in the right place this podcast is brought to you by stay the night a creative marketing agency working with hospitality businesses around the world who are changing the way people stay work and play Hi, I'm Rosie Willen, co-founder of Stay the Night, and in this episode, I'll be speaking with Damon Lawrence, the co-founder and creative director of Homage Hospitality, a new kind of hospitality company that's making waves in the industry. Headquartered in Oakland, California, the brand has exciting plans in the pipeline for sites across the US that will pay homage to black culture. In this episode, we learn about the vision behind the company, discuss the inequities that exist around accessing capital, and hear about Damon's inspiring journey from working the front desk to owning the building. First of all, I just want to talk, because I've followed your journey for a little while, but I'd just like to talk about your like overall vision with Homage. So you're setting out to establish a new kind of hospitality. And can you tell me what that means for you and how it differs from other hospitality brands?
1: Yeah, definitely. I appreciate you asking that question. I think when I first realized I wanted to start Homage, it spurred for me realizing that there wasn't enough representation of people that look like myself in the industry. And that was number one. And I'm working in this cool boutique hotel in D.C., my Thompson property at the time. And I'm like, man, this would be so much cooler if there was, you know, black infusion, a black infusion of culture that, you know, was driving the heartbeat and the life of that property. I started to realize, you know, specifically during Obama's inauguration, we had a party that we were hosting at the property. And it was a who's who of of all Hollywood celebrities, right? And the majority of the bigger names in the room were black. It was it was Spike Lee, it was Bad Boy, it was you know the video jockeys from MTV, it was you know just most of the the cultural icons that you can think of were in the room. And I'm like, okay, we have the first black president, we have all these cultural icons in this room. But then the building, the actual property in which this being housed has no affiliation with anyone that looks like me. And so that's where I was like, ah, you know, there's an opportunity here to create something that's different. And then through the process, I realized like, oh, the reason why it doesn't exist is because there's a whole list of other challenges that come along with that. Right. Access to capital, getting millions of dollars to do these types of projects is just a challenge in our community in general. It's not just in hospitality, but it's in in tech and in in other, other realms, other businesses. So, you know, starting to realize that and then realizing that when you're creating a business that's supposed to be for everyone, but everyone's not included in how it's designed, how it's created, then are you really creating a space that's inclusive, right? So really my aim is to have one of the most diverse companies Uh, especially hotel companies in the world, right? I really want um, every different ethnic background represented and I play around that I want it to look like the United Colors of Benetton, but I do. And I think that that's the new kind of hospitality because when you look at the org chart of other hotel groups, it just doesn't look that diverse.
0: Then you're right. Like the further up you go, the more white and male it gets. Like, let's be honest. So I've listened into a few of your clubhouse chats. Let the record show for people listening to this that that's a normal thing to do because it still sounds weird (sighs) to be like, I've listened into your conversation and we've never met. But yeah, and you spoke about this, this kind of inequity. So can you tell me some of the barriers that you yourself have faced when trying to access capital, for example?
1: I think like most people who are starting a hotel brand, even for the first time, you know, either they come from wealth Right, so they can rely on their parents' wealth or or generational wealth, or they're surrounded by wealth, right? And then that's just not the case for us, and just not the case for our community by and large. And so it's it's hard because even in my family, you know, traditional middle class Black family, but I don't know if I know many people in my family or even in my network who are accredited investors, right, and would qualify under that that SEC requirement to be an accredited investor, right? And so then there's a whole learning curve that comes along with that in our community. So then we're required still to go to those same white males and get them to understand our vision, why it's important, why we have the plight that we have. And I think sometimes privilege gets in the way of truly understanding why this is so important. And so I think access to capital is by... Far been the biggest challenge that we've had to face. That's for sure.
0: Yeah.
1: I think the reality is what we've seen is people are able to do far less with a lot more, yeah. right? And, I, and I, that's just not in hospitality. I mean, that's that's we work. Like mm-hmm. that is that is any other company that is allowed to burn through capital and not really focus on a true business model that earns money.
0: Yeah. And
1: I would, I would argue I've never seen someone Black be put in that position.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? And I think it's not just limited to hospitality. We can't be naive to think that it is. I mean, it's, it's in, every, in every facet. I think, you know, ironically... And I don't know how big of a of a basketball fan you are, but I know
0: anything <laughs> about basketball. I'm just okay. Be,
1: okay, all right. Yeah, well, I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm
0: gonna
1: just throw out some random stuff. I think it's interesting when you look at the composition of the NBA and you think of who the superstars are, and racially, who is the larger demographic that make up those superstars. Mm-hmm. Then you look at the coaches that exist in the league, right? And you say, which coaches are set up for success? And then you look at the ownership in the league Yeah, and the higher you go up, it gets smaller and smaller when you talk about who actually is representative of the, the actual employees in ownership, right? Yeah. And I think hospitality has that same issue. If you were to grade each hotel based off of this diversity, they all would pass with flying colors. But that is not the true story. The true story is, where are you seeing the diversity, right? Are you seeing it in management? Are you seeing it in housekeeping and line staff and in the back of the house? Where are you seeing it? Are you seeing it in management? So that's the bigger issue that we we talk about all the time. And I think one day soon, hopefully, we'll just have an opportunity to showcase that we could do it. We could do it with less and we could do it better.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I think that comes down to like, for me personally, it'd be mm-hmm. nice to get to a place. I mean, like you say, one day soon where it's not, okay, you're a black founder, you're a female founder, let that just be you're, you're a founder, founder and you're great at what you do. And that's yep. why we're backing you, you know, but I suppose, so on the blog on your site, you also talk about the fact that those capital conversations have gotten easier recently. Why do you think that is?
1: Man, well, the events that happened this last summer changed the way that people perceived our business, why they thought it was it was relevant. You know, we used to get asked questions all the time about, well, why do you need a black branded hotel? Or is it only for black people? And it's like, it's crazy when I whenever I get asked that question. And I get asked it a lot because I don't think that other groups are asked that, right? I don't think you ever ask. There's Irish pubs all over the world, no one assumes that you have to be Irish to (laughs) to walk into an Irish pub. And that's never happened. Right. (laughs) I think you can celebrate culture without it being exclusive. I think you can celebrate culture with it being very inclusive. There's hotels in there's a hotel in Japan town in San Francisco called Hotel Kabuki. Right. And I'm pretty sure that everyone that works there and everyone that uh, stays there is not Japanese. And so it's just interesting, the questions that are asked and why they're asked in the way that they are. I am Black. I love my culture. I love my heritage. I love everything about it. And I want to celebrate that. And I think we can do it in a way that doesn't alienate people, but really just brings us all together closer.
0: Yeah, 100 percent. And so your career in hospitality goes (laughs) way back but when yeah. did you know, like, when When did you know you wanted to be a hotelier, you wanted to own, you looked at it and thought, I want to own this?
1: Oh, that moment, that story I was telling you about when we had that party at that property that I worked at in DC, and it was the inauguration day. That day I worked 22 hours straight. So I got there early in the morning, like five o'clock in the morning, because it was going to be a busy day. And I ended up not leaving until three o'clock the next morning. But I remember just... Being there in the lobby, it was just crazy. I mean, it was like Sheryl Crow was over here and Kid Rock was over here and Leonardo DiCaprio was over there and Spike Lee just walked in. It was just wild. Like everybody in the property was a celebrity of some sort. And I remember, you know, tapping my manager and I said, this is what I want to do. I figured it out. Like, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to figure out the best route forward and how I can do it and so it was literally that day
0: yeah like my background for example I'm from a like working class town in the northeast of England and I Mm. think like especially when I started getting into reading about real estate and I had no clue about these things like people don't see that as a viable career where I'm from and Mm. so how important do you think the education is around those things
1: huge the education is huge I mean it's one thing even to work in a hotel it's an entirely different thing to buy one, right, and then to to fully operate one. And I think there's some there's some crossover between working in operations and then actually being the owner of an operating asset. But definitely, when you talk about the purchase of one, man, there's such a huge learning curve. Yeah, and you wouldn't know where to start. I've been doing this, been on this journey for five years, right, and I'm just now at a comfortable place where I feel like I've cracked the code and understand how these things are done. It took that long, it took from 2016 officially. I was really wanting to do it even prior to that, but from 2016 to now, really just to learn how this, how this all works and how it happens. And that process is so valuable. And I, I hope that by me going through it, by me learning, I could pass on that knowledge to other people so that whoever's behind me, it just doesn't take them as long. Because I think that there's, I don't, I think there's what the shame is, is as I'm going through this process to realize I'm cracking so many barriers and I'm, I'm doing it first as a trailblazer. I think that that's a scary thought in one sense. And I, I don't like that. I don't want to be the only, I want, other people to feel empowered by what I'm doing and to feel like they can and that this is a career path that they can they can choose right but sometimes we don't know it I even even myself for example I fell into hospitality right I was looking for a job and it seemed cool I was on Craigslist looking for a job by, by matter of fact and it seemed cool the description was cool and I'm like oh well, you know I just it was one of the 15 jobs I applied for that day and they called me back and I was like, I, I wowed during the interview, which I usually do. <laughs> and I I've, I've found myself finding a whole new career path that i had never thought about ever. So I think it's a lot of people that if they were exposed to how cool the hospitality industry could be, uh, would enter into it at a, a lot younger of an age. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where I'm. Really excited to do some things on, on the educational side, both in, you know, the high school, middle school, elementary school level and the collegiate level.
0: Yeah, for sure. And so to go back to like the, the beginning of that journey for you as a hotelier, your first project, the Moor in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and in the tagline you called it a house hotel, I remember. Can you explain a little bit about the concept behind that?
1: Yeah, so I had, had this this thought in this brand. This was like back in, I think it was like 2010, really, when Airbnb first started. My thought was, Airbnb is really cool, but it would be so much cooler if you had a branded version of that, right? Where you could, you know, that you can go from city to city, and the experience is going to be the same. It's not a crapshoot; you don't know what you're going to expect. Right, just managed as a hospitality business, but using the Airbnb platform. Quite frankly, a right? And so had that idea in 2010, and had the name. And when we were looking at property, we were living in Oakland, and at the time, Oakland's real estate prices were just skyrocketing. And every time that we were trying to find a property, some cash buyer would come and get it, you know, right up, right from up under us. Or, you know, we were one of the offers up against a a billionaire. And it's like, if I'm the owner, I go with the billionaire too, because you're certain you're gonna get your money, it's gonna be all cash. Yeah, that makes sense. And so we just kept losing out on a bunch of different properties. And I had an investor that said, you know what, maybe you should look in a different market because obviously Oakland is just so expensive right now. It's gonna be such a challenge. You know, find another market do something small, do something that's going to get your brand and your name out there. And when we started to look at markets, New Orleans, and I have to credit my mom for it, but, but she she really pushed New Orleans because of the year-round leisure travel. And when you talk about Black history and heritage, most of our story comes through New Orleans, right? It comes through the South in general, but it comes through New Orleans. music, you know, if that's the birthplace of jazz and that's also the birthplace of r and and blues and, you know, and soul. And so hip hop is a derivative of that. And so all those things is just a deep, linear connection for all of us that goes through New Orleans. So it made sense. And so we had we found a small four room property and we said, look, we're going to put our all into it. This will be our first property. And this will help us get our name out there. And that's exactly what it did. It it allowed for us to get that brand recognition for us to have something to point to. This is what we represent. This is who we are. And we owned that for two years. We opened it up in July of 2018 and then had an opportunity to exit that property at a really good deal in late 2019, right? So we huddled up. We made that property happen with capital, both for my family and investor capital. So at the end of 2019, I'm looking at this project that is still performing really well, but it almost limited us, right? The fact that it was four rooms, the fact that we didn't have food and beverage, it kind of pigeonholed us into this, oh, this is what we do. We make these small bed and breakfast type properties. And then it was harder for us to go out and raise capital. So I'm like, man, this is, it did what it needed to do on the PR front and pushed us forward. But then it it almost created a glass ceiling as people weren't taking us seriously as far as like true hospitality. And so it's late 2019, we huddle up as a family and we decide, you know what, I think we should sell it and then go find something larger, something that even if it's 12 rooms, but has a food and beverage, we can have a bar. Something like that. It will propel us to be more of what we're where we're trying to go. So we sold it. We had got a good deal on the property, and we were looking to recapitalize another building. Little did we know that this virus, the whole time, was lurking. And so it actually worked out perfectly because we sold it probably at the best possible time, at the height of the market before everything. And especially as a hospitality business, exiting at that time was divine, right? That was a blessing in disguise. But that property really was the catalyst for so much that we've done. It pushed us really to new heights. We won two awards. We won a Gold Key Award from that property. Actually, we won two. We won Up and Coming Hotelier of the Year based off of that project. So it really got us the, the notoriety and the attention that
0: we needed. Yeah, for sure, from that whole experience, I suppose, both selling your first property and the last year being what it has been, what are the kind of lessons and insights that you've learned that you'll take forward to new projects?
1: I think making sure that the way that we structure deals is doing it with a full team, right? What we had to do with that property uh, just because of where we were in the life cycle of our business is we had to do most of it ourselves. So right I had to I had to paint walls and, you know, put on doorknobs and et cetera. And I think I'm excited to to enter to this next phase where I, I have a full team that does all of that. I got a construction team and architect. And you know, we built these relationships over the last two years. I think I'm really excited about that. And then this last year was just the time to build relationships, both with people that can write checks to build those capital relationships. And unfortunately, a lot of people were looking for work, right? And so to build, you know, personal relationships with people that love the hotel industry, but find themselves on the outside looking in, figuring out ways in which we can employ more people over the next couple of years and bring some of this great talent that actually is out there on the market, looking to get back into the hospitality industry. How can we bring those people in? I think this year has taught me the most just about patience. Patience. I feel like I have so many sports references, but I feel like just like a quarterback just waiting and surveying the field. Right
0: over my head. I know,
1: right over your head. <laughs> I know it did. I know I'm it like, did.
0: I'm like, hey. <laughs> People listening will get that, I'm sure. They
1: will. They will. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so um, can you tell me about the projects you have in the pipeline or the markets that you're looking to enter next?
1: Yes, thank you for asking that question. I'm super excited. So I'm actually sitting in the office of our Oakland property. Um, So we will actually close on the purchase of this property. We actually already own it, but in the redevelopment and restructuring of this deal, that will close on March 31st. We just signed a, a deal for a project in Albany, Georgia. 80 key property in Albany, Georgia that I'm super excited about. We have some really good partnerships that we're working on and a a great development team there. And that deal is coming together really nice. We're looking at a project in Baltimore, looking at a project in Memphis. Um, So those are markets that are really exciting to me right now. But I have some bucket list markets that I would love to enter into. We we looked at a property in Napa and I think Napa is a very interesting market for our brand. It wouldn't be the first one that jumps off to you because Napa is just not very cultural. (laughs) But I think it's an opportunity to bring more culture to the region. And I would love to do something in my hometown and go back to LA and in Washington, DC near Howard University, really capitalizing on what we can do domestically. And then over the next couple of years, as, as things start to subside with COVID really looking at what internationally projects could look like.
0: Yeah. And so you spoke about with the more it, it kind of limited you not having the F&B. So all these new sites, are you planning to have them open as kind of neighborhood clubs? Yes. Well?
1: Full, full service at Food & Beverage, some with a rooftop bar. Um, the Oakland Project, we're working with some really cool partners on the Food & Beverage here. Albany will be the same. I think the the coolest thing about where we are right now is we've been able to solidify some really good relationships with people. So I think the chefs that we'll be working with, the partnerships that we'll do on the food and beverage side will be really cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you're entering a new market, because you talked about entering some markets there that wouldn't necessarily be the first ones you think of. Mm -hmm. so. To what extent do you kind of integrate the brand into the neighborhood and so it reflects the neighborhood and to what extent do you bring something totally fresh?
1: That's a really good question and really the genesis for how we do and why I love being the leader of, of my company is that question is not a question that I can answer right off the bat, right? Because I think each and every community is different. Each city has different needs. And you don't really understand that until you spend some time there and you start to actually talk to the people and understand what they need. And I'll give you a a quick example of what I mean by that. This Oakland project is very interesting because Oakland is going through a housing crisis, right? So you have the pandemic on top of a pandemic, quite frankly, because we have one of the, the largest homeless populations in the country. And it's really a sad thing to see. So what I'm doing in Oakland is I'm not collecting a fee from this property actually. all of my profits, my personal profits will be going into a nonprofit organization to actually deal with the housing crisis directly right in Albany, homeless is not an issue <laughs> right so there's different issues and you know I talked to a bunch of people in Albany. Albany' is a very still to this day very segregated city. The challenge There is how can I make everyone feel comfortable in one space? How can I bring both sides together, right? Because you go into certain restaurants, it's very white, you go to other restaurants, it's very black, and those two worlds don't usually collide. And so it's going to be a unique challenge, right? How can I make a property that honors everyone and doesn't alienate anyone and doesn't make anyone feel uncomfortable? And I I think the way we're going to have to do that is through the way we program through the way we hire, right? And through the food and beverage. I think if there's anything that brings people together, food is going to bring you together. A good drink is going to bring you together. And it's going to be a unique challenge. And I think there, what we've done, typically we would build an incentive fee into our management structure. Um, What I worked out is instead of doing that, I'm actually an equity partner on the deal, right? So in, in exchange. And then any overages on a year-by-year budget goes back to the employees, right? And so the reason why I wanted to do that is that hotel is going to mean so much for that that city. It's going to mean so much for the downtown area and really having employees that have a sense of pride in the place that they work is just going to be so important it's going to be so important to tell that story, right? So if I'm telling you that hiring is going to be an important factor, I'm going to have to hire a very diverse group of people. I want them all to be excited about the place they work. And then that story, that word of mouth to transfer out from there so that everyone feels comfortable coming into the space. And so to answer that question real direct, it is different in every single city. How do you weave yourself in I can't do it from my office here in Oakland. I have to actually have boots on the ground and spend some time in each market, talk to people, interview people and really ask them what they want. Yeah. And what they need, right? And then, and then supply a product that fits that.
0: You've got a busy year, a couple of years ahead with all those new markets then. Gonna-
1: I, I do, I do, <laughs> I do. The beauty in some of these markets is my team is either from there or you know has some extensive you know background in that market. So th- that's the the cool thing about the current markets that we have. Like I lived in Baltimore for a long time. I've lived in Oakland for the last 5 years. I understand Oakland. One of my team members is actually from Albany. That helps. And then one of my team members is from Memphis. So <laughs> you know, we we've spent time in these markets and that's the reason why even when I speak about the other markets, they ones near and dear to me, right? Like Napa is right up the road. LA is where I'm from. DC is where I went to school, right? So these are markets that I, I'm already familiar with and pretty much understand the needs of each one individually.
0: Yeah, and I like what you said about making a space that's kind of inclusive and accessible because I think so. Stay the night. We started life working in with hostels, and mm-hmm. hostels are all about you know accessibility to travel. Obviously, the price point lends itself well to that, and they're all right. about like bringing like-minded people together. And this term I was thinking about the other day and for some hospitality companies, they say we bring like-minded people together. And I'm like, no, you bring people who look alike and earn the same amount of money and kind of have, you know, like, what is that like-mindedness? And sometimes I think it benefits to have a space. Like, why does everyone have to be like-minded? It's good to kind of, you know, get different groups, get different people from different backgrounds and and hospitality can be about that as well.
1: And you know, what's interesting about that is that And I was reminded in one of those clubhouse rooms that you mentioned. <laughs> and I because I talk about it all the time, there are things that are low-hanging fruit in hotels that you wouldn't think about, right? And one of them is the lotion in the room, right? <laughs> if you don't have someone like me ordering the lotion, you're gonna miss the mark. Because most hotels, I will ask you to ask any black friend that you have, ask them if they use hotel lotion.
0: I've actually had this conversation with some, <clears throat> And I think there's this thing around, well, why do we have to buy a special lotion? It's like, no, if you buy lotion that, you know, it'll works work for wrong. me,
1: it works it's for everybody. <laughs> if it works good. for me, it works for everybody. And that's the low hanging fruit, but you wouldn't think that. Yeah. Right. It wouldn't even come into your mind if you're not thinking about all these other people or you don't have the same you don't have the same issues that I have just, just to be honest right you' no, I'm so definitely you're gonna all be all
0: like this lotion that lotion was too moisturizing for me <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine?
1: exactly so, yeah exactly so there needs to be more diversity just at the table and and I think even the beauty is look I love working with women I love working with women they see the things that I don't see that I wouldn't pay attention to, right? You know, so you you need those different perspectives and they're so important. It's so yeah. important. If you're really trying to create a space that's inclusive of everyone, you need everyone included in the process.
0: But I think it's also about actually looking at it as, and I think I put something on LinkedIn yeah. about this, where it needs to not be, you need someone in, involved in the process so you can tick that box. It's actually, this brings value to the table, whether that's panels, whether it's a decision-making positions like that, like, it adds to the conversation. It's not something to do just to tick it, you know.
1: But it's it's so that is very important. It is not just diversity. It is also the inclusion, right? It's diversity and inclusion, right? And that's the reason why DNI is so closely connected. Because yeah, I could add some diversity. I could check off the box, but they are they included in the process, right? And they have do they actually have a seat at the table, or are they just the one taking notes on the side, you know? So yeah, I think that that's extremely important.
0: Yeah. So on your website, you have a sounds page with a link to a Spotify playlist, which I've been enjoying, by the way, prior to this. Um, <laughs> how much does music play a part in your concepts and in how, how can it play a part in a hotel story?
1: Rosie, you're asking the best questions. I love <laughs> this. Uh, music is such an important role in my life because I, I grew up with a mother who, was a musician. She was a she's a musical artist, and she, even to this day, she just had a song that placed on a um, on a documentary just recently. And wow. she's and so I remember spending time with her in the studio, and you know, being around musicians all the time. That was just everyday life growing up, being so close to music. Music is such an important aspect in my life, and I often play around that I could live my life through song, right? Like there's like a, there's a song lyric for everything. Like I can have a whole communication, like R2-D2 where I'm just reciting lyrics, you know what I'm saying? And even our values, our company values, most of them except for one, are lyrics to songs, right? One of my favorite ones is Spaceships Don't Come Equipped with Rearview Mirrors by Andre 3000, right? And that one is just a reminder if you're headed in a certain direction, you can't look back, right? And, and I think about that even with the company, it's gone through different co founders, gone through different partners, different investors, whatever is in the past, you really just can't look back. You have to keep, continue look, moving forward, especially if you're going to be the rocket ship that you want to be as a company. So, music is super important. I think it also defines space. When we first started, we actually conducted a bunch of interviews, and we wanted to interview. Black men, because we felt like when it comes to space and space creation, so few times are Black men actually interviewed and what they need and desire out of a space. So we called it Black Men in Space, right? We're going to interview people with different backgrounds, a barber, a clothing designer, a creative. One of the most interesting interviews we had was with the DJ. And just understanding the intricacies around music and how the challenges that come with music and how you have to make decisions at a quick instant to keep the party going. And I think that the power of music also to bring people together is amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing what it can do to to your life, what it can do for you as a person And how through history, it has been the one thing that has really actually unified people. And I think, you know, curating a playlist is cool, but can you curate a playlist for a hotel all day, right? From the morning to the night and all the different emotions that you feel throughout that day, right? The music that you're playing at eight o'clock in the morning versus what you're playing at 8 p.m., it moves you differently, right? It keeps you moving through the day so yeah music is super important to me.
0: yeah it's one of those things that i think maybe because we work in hospitality but i notice it like if i go to a place and i'm sat there for a long time and they play the same song twice i get i get hooked about that i'm like why really <laughs> none of my friends notice so it's like it's nice to have someone in the same wavelength with that so yeah. um so kendrick or jay-z then
1: Oh, that's tough, man. I'm, I, oh. I'm putting you on the
0: spot there. That one. <laughs> you just... know what?
1: I will say, that's hard. I will say Kendrick, but that's that's hard. Yeah. I think I love Jay Z in the twilight of his life and where he is now. Stuff yeah. he's talking about, I think, is just super impactful, especially for me and where I'm at in my life. Uh, I think Kendrick, just as a musical artist, is just one of the most talented of our generation.
0: And so just to bring on to that, so on the fund page of your site, you have an extract that talks about legacy. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, So what do you want your legacy to be? It's quite a big question.
1: It is a big question. I think really just as a, like we talked about before, a trailblazer. I want to empower a bunch of other people to do what I'm doing and do it better. That's the legacy that I want to to leave behind. Is that there were, you know, four or five people that I mentored that went on to do bigger and better things than I did.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. And I think there's a part in your blog too where you talk about when the reservations were coming in for the moor, and you kind of realized okay, this has worked, you know, this is like, and, you, and there's a bit where you write, I knew it would. And I really smiled reading that because when we started to stay the night, no one knew what we were doing. We were going to be a location independent agency. Our families didn't get it. And it's kind of having that, that vision and that kind of to follow it through without just on blind faith, I guess, sometimes. And yeah. so it's been a really tough year for everyone in the industry. And so for people either getting started in hospitality or have these ideas, but they feel like giving up now, what would your advice be to them?
1: Yeah, a, that's man, that's an interesting question. It's tough. I think I've when you when you're doing something for five years, six years, and I haven't worked a job in this entire time, and so you only get paid when you have a deal, right? So I didn't get one until I drove for Lyft and Uber for for a couple of years and did everything that I possibly could just to continue to push forward, and I think. The beauty in having a a company that's even called Homage is you're always thinking about history. You're always thinking about, you know, what can I pay homage to? What history can can I pay homage to? It makes me like a historian. And I geek out on realizing the patterns that human society just naturally continues to follow. And even as we deal with this pandemic, we forget that 100 years ago, we also dealt with the pandemic, right? Almost at a, a very similar time, and turn of the century, you know, very strategically similar. <laughs> COVID-19, I think that that was 1918, right? So 99 years or 101 years. And it took us about the same amount of time to get through it. But you know what it ended up, you know, transitioning into? Was the roaring 20s. Everybody was partying and looking for a reason, an excuse to be out and about, hotel, prohibition era, you know, Harlem Renaissance, all these things just boomed from that period, right? All the way up into the Great Depression. So I think that we're in line for another roaring 20s, right? Another roaring 2020. So I'm excited about the future. And I think, if anything, this is the time that you build. For what's ahead, right? When things are quiet, when things are at their lowest point, this is when you're putting the, the foundation down to build what's going to be the next best thing. And I'm st- I'm seeing people start to do that. I encourage more people to to use this time as that. And it's going to be tough, but it was never going to be easy.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely ready for a roar twenties. I have to say, yeah. <laughs> after being locked down for a year, I'm up for that. Well, thanks right. so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to see what you create and see what's in store for homage in the coming years for sure.
1: Thank you so much, Rosie. I, I have to say that you have asked some of the best questions that have <laughs> ever been asked. So Thank I really you. appreciate that.
0: Appreciate that, yeah. yeah Thank so you so much. For those listening who want to find out more about Homage, you can visit their website at ww.anukindofhospitality.com. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Hybrid Hospitality Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe if you'd like to be the first to hear about new episodes. We'd love it if you could leave a rating, and if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can do so. Just search Stay the Night on LinkedIn, or head to @staythenightco over on Instagram. For more information about what we do, visit www.staythenight.net. Until next time, thanks for listening.